Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Our guest today is Blake Zev. Blake is the subject as well as the director of the documentary film Lone Wolves. Lone Wolves follows Blake Zev, an investigative journalist and former political editor for Salon, as he gets to the root of the student debt crisis, currently at somewhere north of $2 trillion and counting. Following the stories of those most affected, Zev ultimately zeroes in on the unexpected heart of the problem and exposes the rotten core of this country's policy-making. Confronting powerful enablers and challenging lies, Lone Wolves is a humorous and eye-opening documentary film that demystifies this current national crisis. We're joined today by the director of Lone Wolves, Blake Zeff. Blake Zeff, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you so much for having me. Student debt has been one of those issues that feels like it has been hiding in plain sight. I know a lot of people are aware of it, but I don't think they've really focused on it to the degree that it needs to be. And you certainly do in this film. What put you on to doing a documentary about student debt? Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, I think people are talking about it now. But when I first embarked on this project in 2016, 2017, around that time, it really wasn't being talked about that much. And I would say that even though it's being talked about now, in my view, that conversation is, is, is somewhat superficial and, and, and not really detailed. And there's so much more to the story. So anyone who's listening to this, if you think you know about what's happening with student debt, um, I hope you'll give this film a watch. Give it a try, because I can almost guarantee you that there's stuff that you would not believe in terms of what caused this crisis, um, what the effects are of this crisis, and even how we could potentially reform and address this crisis. And so in terms of my initial inspiration, I um, came of age at a time when people were taking out student loans, but it wasn't really talked about at that time what the effects would be after you graduated. You know, people of my generation, and you know, I'm in my 40s, but people of my generation, you know, if you couldn't you know, afford full tuition, you would take out student loans and your guidance counselor in high school would say something like, don't worry about those loans. Oh, you'll sign those papers. Everyone has them. You'll get a good job when you graduate and you'll pay it down. And we all seem to believe that. Because that's what you were told, you know, and you're told from a young age, if you uh, want to have a good life, if you want to, you know, whether you're, um, you know, in the middle class or whatever it is, if you want to have a good life, a good job, don't want to be in poverty, work hard and go to school, right? That's what we're always told. And it turned out, despite what everyone had been told, you know, people tried to do the right thing. And then you end up graduating in this mountains of debt. And so, you know, what really gave me the initial spark was watching my wife you know, from undergrad and graduate school together, ended up at nearly $200,000 of debt. And that was because she wanted to be a psychologist to help veterans with PTSD. So she was trying to do the right thing. But ultimately, you know, and I should, I should be clear, I, I don't consider myself or my wife to be the face of this problem. We're really lucky and privileged in certain ways. But that was just it. Given how lucky we were and how fortunate we were and seeing the effects up close in terms of, you know, what it did to us, as I started to dig into this, I saw that 45 million Americans have student debt. And I thought, my goodness, this could be a really, really big problem. And it's something that I want to look into. Before we get into more of that, I want to ask you a little bit about your background. 
as a journalist or how, how, what sort of you, how you got here? Sure. So I actually, you know, started off in politics myself and this movie, for those who haven't seen it, is a lot about the politicians and the role that they played in kind of, you know, enabling or igniting this crisis and what they can do to get us out of it. So I worked in politics for a while. Um, I worked for people like President Barack Obama, uh, Senator Chuck Schumer's communications director a long time ago. Uh, He's in the film. You know, I, I really do feel like I kind of understand this system and this process. And after doing that for some period of time, I I felt like I wanted to be able to highlight certain issues and maybe even try to address certain problems. And so I went into journalism, like you said, investigative journalism, and wrote about politics and certain issues around the economy, policing, all sorts of different things. And, And one of the things I'd done was there was a little kind of mini scandal in upstate New York, uh, near where I live, where there was essentially uh, poison in the water, these chemicals, high, high amount of chemicals that were in the drinking water that were getting people very sick. And we did an investigative documentary uncovering the effects and causes of that. And then as a result of that documentary, state hearings were called to address kind of the, wrong, the, the wrongdoing of the politicians. So that's kind of, you know, the background leading up to this. And, and Mike, it's funny, I initially thought this would just maybe be a long article that I would write because initially I thought, you know, this is a big problem. I want to dig into this a little bit, but as I just got deeper and deeper into this, it became so much bigger than I'd ever possibly could have realized. There's a whodunit in the movie. (laughs) There's um, all sorts of angles to this that it quickly became clear to me that this was going to have to be a movie or or several episodes of a TV series because I couldn't just, you know, I couldn't, you know, contain it to just a thousand words in an article. And I want to add one thing from my experience going to college that that it's not talked about in the film, but I remember when I was registering for college, there was a table literally within arm's length of that table where they were handing out credit cards. The credit card companies were just all over the place. This was UCSB, Santa Barbara, right? And they were just giving them out like they were uh, party favors. And it feeds into this, you know, you've got a population, a group of people who are just coming into their own, just beginning to kind of understand what life's about, embarking on this great adventure. So many things about it are exciting. And they're presented with this opportunity to do what you just described, to get get a leg up on everybody else. And by the way, you also get free money. You know, it's, it, I mean, it's a sort of the, the the psychology of all of it, right? There's, oh, interest rates, don't worry about that. That's fine. I and mean, that's with a credit card, but you throw on top of it student loans. So this is something that, that is, you're vulnerable, right? And these, and that's what makes this, the the approach in telling the story is humorous. It's, it's lighthearted in a way, but really this is very, very serious stuff, right? Yeah. And, and thank you for, for saying that. I- That was the fundamental challenge of doing this story, right? Is that it's a very serious, potentially boring, let's be honest, potentially inaccessible because when you talk about a lending system and you talk about things like bankruptcy and you talk about, you know, we've got C-SPAN clips, you've got things that aren't necessarily, that that don't sound like it's going to be that dazzling, right? And so the challenge for us was how do we respect and honor the seriousness of this problem while also making it really watchable. And I'm glad you said humorous. Uh, that was the goal, certainly. Not not like, you know, th- there's not a knock-knock joke every two seconds, but we are trying t- to make it really captivating and compelling, almost to the point where even if you don't know about this problem or care about this problem, 
you might still find it entertaining anyway and just you know enjoy watching it for its own sake like i said there's kind of a true crime component of it to this of who done it um we are trying to be light about it so that balance was really the probably the trickiest part of this whole thing how to keep it light and moving and entertaining and fun while also really not not pulling any punches about how serious and potentially dark this problem can be and i do believe in the delivery of news to people in something other than Cronkite-like-esque like delivery in that The Daily Show is a great example. John Stewart, The Daily Show, and to this day with Trevor Noah, they deliver you information on a daily basis that is of value to you and accumulatively it matters, right? It's over time that you get, and over the course of this film as well, that, that's how it, it sort of lands with me and I that I truly appreciate it. And when I first became aware of what we're describing here, the student debt was, I Going to, I'm going to say at least three or four years ago when I heard that student loan debt was greater than all credit card debt in the country. That was about three or four years ago, as I recall, somewhere in that neighborhood. And I had to do a double take on that. I really didn't initially think that could be true. It's shocking. That was It's funny you say that. That was also a similar epiphany for me. When I first heard that, I was I was floored. I mean, you think about it, you've got 43 to four, now it's around 45 million people have student debt. The average is in kind of in that $30,000 range. That's the average, not the worst case scenario. So the average, some people have as much as 150,000, 200,000, you know, even more than that. And so you do the numbers and you get to a number that's almost, Mike, it's almost $2 trillion. We have someone in the movie who says, if if our national student debt was a country, was it like a national economy? It would be the seventh or eighth richest country in the world. That's $2 trillion. I mean, it really is stunning when you think of it that way. And, and that's why it's kind of interesting with this problem. People weren't really talking about it when I first started making this film in 2016, 2017, but I had a hunch that they would eventually. And the reason was because when you have numbers like that, it's one of those things where everyone knows someone who has either you have student debt or your son or daughter might, or your cousin, your nephew, your neighbor, because it's just simply so widespread. By the way, I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with Blake Zeff. He's the director of this wonderful documentary film called Lone Wolves, and that's L-O-A-N, Lone Wolves. And you can find it by, well, it'll be premiering uh, for broadcast on MSNBC on December 11th. It will also be streaming on Peacock. So if any listeners subscribe to the Peacock streaming platform that NBC has now, you would be able to watch this movie then starting on December 12th. One other thing about this is that this enormous amount of debt that is accumulating over these many years is a housing crisis level problem. 2008, the housing market practically collapsed the US economy and had a worldwide impact. So this is akin, am I, in the numbers, in the percentage of the national debting, debts accumulated, isn't it about in that level of? Yeah, and I would make two more points piggybacking on that. It, this is very important, and I'm glad you brought this up. I think there might be this assumption that, well, I feel really bad for the people who have student debt, but if you don't have it, you might say, eh, it doesn't affect me. Well, it does, in the same way that you mentioned with the housing crisis, think of it this way, there's $2 trillion of debt that is hobbling this economy. And that's money that could be spent on so many other things that could be spent. You know, we talked to someone, I don't know if this made it into the film, but we talked to someone who said, when I don't have money to address my plumbing problem, that means that's less business that's going to my local plumber. 
or if I don't have money to get a new couch because my couch is you know ruined, well, the local furniture store isn't going to get my business. And so this money would be in the economy. It would be going to stores. It would be going to tourism. It would be going to furniture. It would be going to all these different things that it's not right now. So this is really a national problem. And Jerome Powell, who's the, the chair of the Federal Reserve, the guy who's behind all these these interest rate hikes right now. So he's not a bleeding heart liberal. He has publicly said that this is going to be a huge problem and that it's hot, it, it could really prevent growth. And he, you know, as you know, appears in the movie twice, yes. um, kind of so sounding the alarm on this in a really unexpected way. And so it is like the housing crisis in that sense, which is that you can't ignore it, even if it doesn't directly impact you. The other thing I was going to say is that the way in which this debt is structured, this system that we have, this predatory system, one of the things we get into in the film is that student loans are one of the only debts in America that you basically effectively cannot get rid of through bankruptcy. So think about that for a second. If you go to Vegas, you and I, Mike, we go to Vegas and we lose $10 million gambling, we could potentially find a way to discharge that debt in bankruptcy. Or if we do some irresponsible shopping, or there's any number of debts that you could have and you can get rid of it through bankruptcy, but student federal student loans and private student loans basically cannot with few exceptions. And we really dig in on that in the film and really pursue how did that come to pass? That's right. And the, 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 without spoiling it, the short answer is no one would admit that they were the ones who had done it in, in Congress. Someone slipped in a two-line provision in 1998 into a big law and no one would admit they were the one who did it. And a lot of the movie takes place trying to track down this person and then ultimately confronting them. And the way in which that resembles the housing crisis is that, you know, when you have no bankruptcy for student loans, that means that these loans have to be repaid. And so what ultimately mean, that, that means is that the college lenders say, all right, well, we'll lend out money to anyone for any amount of money. It doesn't matter whether they can pay it back because it has to be guaranteed. We don't have to worry about that. There's no risk for us as lenders. And the colleges jack up the prices and the college lenders give out tons of money. It reminds you a little bit of the housing crisis when they're giving away mortgages to almost anyone, whether they could afford them or not. And then obviously- Ninja loans. Remember the ninja yes. loans? Yeah. 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 And calamity ensued. And that's what kind of has happened here as well. Well, the other thing you get into in the film is the compound interest. There's one small life preserver for people who have this debt, and it's called income balance. What's it? Income-based repayment. That allows them to pay a little bit at a time to keep themselves from going into bankruptcy. But it's in a compound interest uh, system, which means what? I mean, this was something that was really you know interesting to me. Was that um, you know generally a lot of loans work this way where you have to pay the principal, right? That's the that's the amount, right? And then you have a little bit of interest. And we all know that. We don't enjoy it, but we all know that that's something you have to do, right? You have a lot of people have that with their car payments or think about your mortgage payments, right? You have your principal that you're paying and then you have your interest on top of that. Some loans, and, and as you say, this affects you know a large number of student loans, have what's called compounding interest, which means interest on the interest. So you might have, let's just pretend you've got $100 that you owe in principal for a fake loan, just to make this simple. And you know the amount of interest would be $10 for the first month. So you would owe $110, right? Well, the next month you might be spending, um, you might have to pay $10 on top of the $10 of interest because you're doing a 10% compound. And so it just goes interest on top of interest on top of interest. And these loans just get totally out of control. And so we spoke to people in the film who say, I've been meeting my payments and my the amount I owe is just going higher and higher and higher. And that's because of the compounding interest. It is something that is infuriating 
And to think about it in that compound interest thing is evil on top of evil to me when I was, when I'm watching that, that you are shackling people. That's maybe the better, more appropriate way to put it with a debt that they will never be able to discharge. The other part of this and the positive part of this is if we start alleviating some of the debt for these people who are in massive debt, studies have shown economists can demonstrate where when you give people the opportunity to get rid of some of this debt, they put that money that they're not spending on their debt right back into the economy. It's a bit like unemployment insurance. They're not going out buying Maseratis on on, on their unemployment insurance. They're buying groceries. They're buying clothes. They're buying shoes. They're doing things to put the money right back into the economy. And that has been demonstrably true if you give people an opportunity to get out of debt. It's like any stimulus program, right? Like the government, you know, as you mentioned, sometimes gives out checks, right? And, and with a stimulus program, right? It might be a tax rebate, rebate. It might be part of a stimulus bill. And that helps people, like you said, buy food, uh, buy the essentials in life. It goes right back into the economy. And we talk about this in the film. Remember those PPP loans that happened yeah. during COVID when businesses were um, you know, ha- having uncertain times? They got loans called the Paycheck Protection Program. They got loans from the government uh, to the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars. And no one has asked them to pay those loans back. They were given the loans and they've all basically been canceled or forgiven. Not all, but the very overwhelming majority of them. And I'm not arguing that they that, that shouldn't have happened. And I don't think most people are. But if, if it's okay, and we have someone in the film who says, well, why is that okay to have those loans forgiven for businesses, but it can't be for the, you know, for the little guy or little gal out there? And that's one of the questions that we're really raising in this film. Such a cool part of the film is that you actually push the ball forward. You are in in conversation with people who can actually make a difference. And it's I don't know if you want to give too much away about this, but I would I, I'm going to say your your passion comes across in the film, but also watching you into these conversations with people who can actually affect this is really quite remarkable and fun about the film. I appreciate that because, you know, it's one thing to highlight the problem, but I really want to see if there's a way to work towards a solution, right? You know, it's cathartic and feels good to say this is messed up. But as you say, we talked to some members of Congress and the Senate in this film, and we're really trying to push this thing along and maybe add some pressure. And I don't want to give away what happens. There is that component to this film. This is not just identifying a problem. It's actually trying to push the ball forward and maybe exert a little bit of pressure too. Absolutely. If we can get Amy's uncle to move on this, we'll be in good shape. (laughs) That's a good little clue you put in there. (laughs) Well, I want to thank you so much. Thank you for the for the film Lone Wolves. That's L-O-A-N, Lone Wolves. And it will be available through MSNBC on December 11th. And you mentioned Peacock on December 12th as platforms where you can watch the film. You will enjoy it. It's a lot of fun to watch. And it also is uh, something that you may know a little bit about, but the the dive into this is easy to digest and you'll understand it much better. So when you're arguing with your uncle on, at Christmas about it, about these kids who don't have any responsibility, you'll be able to answer back with a very good response. So thank you so very much, Blake Zeller. Thank, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. 
You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Thank you.